0: Hello, you are, you are listening, listening to, to The Carol Connection, Connexion. with, with your, your host, Jared Carroll.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to The Carol Connection. I am your host, Jared Carroll, here with you guys another great episode. I did want to take a chance to shout out last week's episode, episode 85. It is 2021 year in review. Zach Carter rejoined the podcast, talked about everything that has happened since episode five. It's been a long time since he's been on the podcast, so really great to have him back on. Really excited to for you guys to listen to that episode. Um, he's a validation engineer. He talked about everything about getting a new job, moving to Maryland. He got a dog, like tons of great stuff, and we just kind of reviewed our year in total, so it was a really great episode. Check it out, the thecarolconnection.simplecast.com. Also available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the major listening platforms. So for today, episode eighty six, I'm bringing you guys another great guest, Garrick Santos.
0: Hi guys, welcome. Happy to be here.
1: Appreciate you coming on here. Of and uh, um, shout out Eric Lazito, like he actually <laughs> helped link this up. And like I appreciate mm-hmm. Eric; he's been on multiple times, as you guys already know. Um, great dude. So check out his episodes, episode one, and then I think the other one was like forty-four. I think could be wrong. I'm probably wrong, but oh, he was episode one. Yeah, he was episode number one. Yeah, so mm-hmm. we we actually. I'm actually not going to reveal that secret. We'll talk off of there okay. about what happened in episode one, but like it was um not the first time we had done a podcast uh mm-hmm. prior to episode episode one releasing. Mm-hmm. It was uh, interesting, but for the audience, mm-hmm. kind of tell everyone who you are and uh, what you're doing currently.
0: Yeah. So my name is Garrick. I am originally from Massachusetts. I live in Rhode Island now in Warwick, and I am a personal trainer.
1: Perfect. Perfect. And we'll dive into kind of how you got into your career and that nature so the beginning of the podcast like i mentioned earlier is kind of centered around like family dynamic and where you were brought up so Mm -hmm. if you could share that like obviously like i said earlier whatever you're Mm -hmm. comfortable with
0: yeah so um i am an only child and um i my favorite compliment is after people get to know me and meet me is that i don't resemble an only child whatsoever it's my favorite (laughs) thing anyone could ever say to me um my parents did get divorced when i was going into kindergarten and that was I didn't really understand it at the time. Obviously, when you're that young, it's it's hard to process all of that. And um, I spent most of my time with my mom growing up. Split the time with my dad. I've seen them go through different hardships and different relationships, depending on the people they were with. But they're both in very good places now. Luckily, growing up, I was very close with my cousins, so it's kind of like I had siblings. And I attribute that to not being the typical only child. was very close with a couple friends growing up, whether they're my house, their house, all those kinds of things. So it was very socialized growing up, which was really, really nice. And I think that helped me a lot dealing with my parents not being together.
1: Yeah. And I think what I've noticed too, when I've asked this kind of question to everybody too, is to see how everyone has been brought up and all the different relationships they do have. Because Mm -hmm. I noticed too, when people are only children, like they always mention the only child syndrome that's out there. So And it's good to hear that you didn't really experience that because Mm -hmm. like you had a bunch of cousins around and to like Mm -hmm. kind of build that, that friendship too, Mm -hmm. because I think that's super crucial when you're growing up to experience those things because as children, we need to socialize. Oh yeah. It's just, that's just part of developing. So Mm -hmm. like when that's not happening, it's going to be, you probably tend to be more introverted. Your growth might Mm -hmm. be stunted socially. So a lot of negative things can happen. And like, I think we're going to see that too from the Mm -hmm. pandemic when you limit socialization between children Mm -hmm. when they don't have that. So yeah, definitely. I think that's going to be really interesting to see going forward too. But
0: I would say I learned a lot from playing sports at a young age too. I did peewee football and you just learn a lot of teamwork and you get a lot of camaraderie and a lot of friendship and it's just such a, building exercise for you, you know, to learn how to work with other people and to work towards a goal and to have that, you know, social interaction. And now I don't even know if those kind of sports are even going on most of the time right now. So not have, if I didn't have some of those things growing up, I imagine it'd be much different now than I am. So yeah. Yeah. I, w- tough.
1: I would say that because you definitely notice who played sports who had that that team building Mm -hmm. uh, exercise basically what it doesn't have to necessarily be sports but Mm -hmm. i I think a lot of us get that it could be any group activity whatever it is
0: could be you know theater it could be just i don't know what other clubs they had growing up but anything like that any form of group activity that's just the one that i happen to have
1: yeah and i think that's that aspect of it is huge and i know we were talking about little bit earlier too, and I I always like to talk about this, but like sports and activities. So you mentioned football and basketball, kind of talk a little bit about that experience playing those sports and how that kind Mm -hmm. of helped you develop too.
0: So for me, I loved getting to see the people around me succeed. And in turn, I know they would want the same for me in return. So I kind of got the gratification out of helping the people around me. I was never the one who wanted to be the primary focus or the star player like I, younger on i was pretty good so i, I was like one of the focal points of like the offense or something like that but like i know if the people in front of me don't want to block for me i'm not going anywhere so yeah. it's not going to help me and so luckily you know i wanted to build a relationship with them i wanted to hype them up but i loved seeing the excitement in them for me or me for them in whatever terms it was and i see that now in in my current life and the same thing in basketball i wanted to be the one setting up my teammates for success and i don't really know what drove that to be honest with you maybe it was not having that at home all the time because everything at home was centralized around me so when luckily for whatever reason when i wasn't home i wanted to do that for others mainly i guess because i knew how it felt for me so i wanted to see them feel the same thing and that became very rewarding to me so that's what i really took out of sports and all that stuff
1: yeah i think it's a really valuable lesson to take from sports as you guys know, I always talk about football when we talk about the sports conversation and like how that really did shape my personality to a certain extent and taught Mm -hmm. me a lot of valuable life lessons between the coaches and my teammates. I think one of the most important lessons that I ever learned was like, kind of like how to take accountability Mm -hmm. and how to look myself in the mirror for like, if we had a bad performance, one of the things my coach used to always say, Vernon Crawford, um, shout out him that after a really bad loss is like, you guys really got to take a take a chance and like or take a moment and like look yourself in the mirror and like mm. what do you really want to be? Who do you really want to be? And some people obviously didn't get the message and didn't give a fuck. Mm. But for me, I would literally go and look myself in the mirror and like take like look at myself and be like, because it, it, it forces you to like look at yourself and think and like kind of meditate almost. Mm. And like I kind of like meditated before I even knew what meditation was, and I would kind of have to objectively critique myself Mm -hmm. and that's an uncomfortable thing to do is be like you kind of you you missed that block or you should hit that hole Mm -hmm. like you need to run fast you need to work harder like those things matter
0: instead of looking at oh this person could have done this or this person could have done that and then you need to look at no i messed that up i could have done this better i could have done that granted could the other person have done something better too sure but your initial reaction shouldn't be looking at what the other person could have done better you need to look at yourself first and have that reflection, and then obviously outside of sports, you can apply that to the rest of your life, your relationships, your friendships, your work, your job, all of that stuff. So when you start looking at yourself first before just looking at everyone around you, you like, well, they messed up and they did this, instead of like, okay, hold on, let's step back. Where was I wrong? What could I do better? What can I improve on? I think that's some of the most important things that you can take from sports, especially in those moments.
1: Yeah, I I would 100% agree is that it's like, it, it all starts with yourself. like, And if you're not right in yourself, a lot of the stuff outside of you is not going to really work for you. Mm. And I think a lot of us realize this later into our 20s and 30s, honestly, is a lot of the stuff that we were doing when we were younger, we didn't understand why it wasn't working a lot of the time. Mm. And it's not our parents' fault, it's not our grandparents' fault, it's not society's fault. Like, it's just, it's just not, the knowledge wasn't there for us. And mm. a lot of the things weren't taught into our parents. And there's no shade at, Parenting, mm-hmm. just we didn't have the the tools and the knowledge that we do at least now we do. Between the internet and like social media, and there's a lot of knowledge being put out there and how to raise children, how it like our brains do develop and how things can be affected. Mm-hmm. So now that these things have been put out there, I think it's going to be easier. Well, I can't say it's going to be easier, <laughs> but like <laughs> I think we're going to be more aware of the things that can negatively impact children, and mm-hmm. I think that's a really important thing because this is like the future of the world almost when we look at children and how we grow up. Like Mm -hmm. obviously we're at the point where we're becoming the next workforce. We're becoming the drivers of the economy and like, we're going to be the next presidents, the next business people, the next, every, all these different aspects and roles or next leaders. And I should say, and all these things, it's like, we're, we're next up. Mm -hmm. So what we teach our children is going to be super valuable in pushing forward society. And I think the problem, a lot of us don't, Conceptualize we become a little bit selfish in this aspect is we think me 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 Mm. and we don't think collectively greater good Mm. and It goes back to that. Yeah, that looking at yourself is important. It does hold weight But at what point does it become ultimately selfish? And I think I'm not here to define what becomes selfish and what doesn't Mm. I'm just pointing out I think that's an important conversation to have because what I've noticed in the the whole the self love era that we kind of live into is like everyone does everything for themselves and yeah. nothing for others. And part of the reason I love doing this podcast is to be able to to give a platform to yourself to to share your story for me to learn about you and what you've gone mm-hmm. through and to kind of take a piece of it and see what I could apply to my own life. And it's to be a little bit selfless to hopefully maybe talk a little bit less and like hear a little bit more because people don't tend to listen anymore.
0: Mm, I think the self-love is obviously very important. I think that's a good first step. And then to understand how that experience was for yourself and then show that to others. Cause if you can't do that for yourself, how can you necessarily do it for others? Or if you're doing it too much for others and you're not doing enough for yourself. So it's kind of like a balance and everything kind of like we were talking about before to be able to experience all of that. So From like the perspective of our parents when they were growing up and how society was and how they raised us is entirely different than the perspective that most of our generation has on life. So now if we raise our kids that way, how much differently are they going to grow up and what is their perspective going to be based on us you know, treating them the way that we're going to? I'm very interested. I'm nervous and very excited to be a parent at some point, mainly because of the state of the world, but I know... I can learn from, you know, past generations. I see what things worked for me, what things didn't, and hopefully I can apply that well as a parent myself.
1: Yeah, and I think that is like the most important statement to make is like cuz I think a lot of people don't for some for some reason and maybe I need to be educated on this, but some people just really don't want to be parents in this generation and like I think the there's higher divorce rates, there's less mm-hmm. people having children nowadays, especially in America. Mm-hmm. Um I saw this somewhere that we're at the rate where we could be dangerously not be able to repopulate ourselves in the sense of like supporting the economy, supporting, mm. I mean, social security is what it is at this point, mm. but like we're dangerously cro- approaching, that, approaching that line where so many people are so fixated on overpopulation where we're, we might, I, cause I don't really necessarily believe in that theory of overpopulation. Mm. I think there's a lot of space for, for humans to live and survive. If you want to argue climate change, maybe, but I think, we as humans value family. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, your career holds weight. Yes. It it creates purpose for you. But like, Mm -hmm. do you really want your life centered around your career and everything you do is your career?
0: There's been a few people I know that are that way. And when I did pick their brain about it, generally the vibe I got was either they saw the state of the world and they just did not feel comfortable bringing someone into the world that didn't ask for it. Or They went through enough crap growing up or have dealt with enough stuff in their life that they know they wouldn't provide a great life for their child. Whether they don't think they would be a good dad or they just don't think their conditions or their financially, like whatever it is, whatever factor it was for them, they were concerned about the life that they could provide and didn't want to provide anything less than what they deemed. If I can't do this, I don't want to do it. So is it kind of a selfish decision? Yes, but it's also a bit of a selfless because they felt like they wouldn't be good enough, which could just be a fear of theirs that they don't want to fail for any number of reasons. So that was generally the vibe I got. And I understand that fear because I'm terrified of not being a good parent. Mm -hmm. I still want to try. I'm going to try, but I see where that fear could get so large where you're like, no, thanks. I'm going to do me. I'll, you know, be there for my friends, kids and all that stuff, but it's too much for me.
1: Yeah, and I I definitely hear that that concern and that is also huge self-awareness to be like Mm. I don't think I could be a good parent I don't think I have Mm. the tools to do that based on x y and z what I've been through Mm. so like I would understand that perspective and like that would be a good If you don't feel like you can have kids or you don't think you'd be a good parent You probably shouldn't have kids Mm. But I think the problem that I have with our generation coming up is we're not even asking ourselves if we want Kids or if we want that in the future. It's just kind of like go with the flow Mm. and I think that mindset is healthy in some places and not healthy in others. And I think we're seeing it in our kind of like the dating atmosphere of our generation is like, you could blame social media too for this. It's like, everything is like the grass is green on the other side. You have the next option with the swipe away. Like Mm -hmm. dating apps are a thing. Like you throw a pandemic in there where we're not supposed to be able to socialize. Like it's a, it's a crazy conversation because we look at the way we were growing up as kids and there's a good chance that our kids are never going to be able to experience that to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And I always love these conversations because the way we grow up is going to be so different when we look back and how we raise children, if we choose to have some, mm-hmm. if we are blessed to have children. Cause like, that's how I say, if I'm lucky enough mm-hmm. to have kids, I want to have kids. Yeah. I want, I believe maybe it's ego, but like, I like the idea of legacy of passing down things that I've learned from generation to generation. I mean, the name of the podcast has my last name, Carol. Like, it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. I like, I want to be able to like present that to the next generation that whether it's cause I just met my niece this week and I've been sharing mm. that a lot on um, social media. And that really kind of like, it's a new experience for me. Like I had, her, I was talking mm. to a friend about it and she was kind of telling me, it's like, it's a new feeling for you. That's why you feel this way. You feel so mm. happy about it. You've never been an uncle. You've never mm. experienced this feeling before. And I don't know if you have any nieces or nephews, but like it's this weird love. Cause it's like, they look like you obviously. And it's like, <laughs> it creates this weird, I don't know if it's something in the monkey brain that's going off, but <laughs> it's yeah. just like triggers something in you. And like, I, I can't even like explain it to a certain extent. There's just a lot of love for mm-hmm. it and it makes you feel kind of whole as a person. It's really mm-hmm. interesting.
0: You know, I, I see that a lot in my dog, to be honest with you. yeah. If anyone's a dog person, you totally understand. And she is the first dog that's been my own. I grew up with dogs, so I've always loved them, but I've never had my own where she's my dog. I raised her, I taught her everything. The love that I feel for that animal is just, it's crazy. And I can only imagine how that's going to feel when I have a kid. So she felt like a good practice mm-hmm. in a way for a kid to understand what I'm going to be like as a dad when it, when it comes to other people's kids i'm not very about that like other people's kids are other people's kids yeah, yeah. i'm not a super big kid person i never have been but i've always told my girlfriend you know oh, when it's our kid it's going to be different and she's like how do i know if i never see you with other kids so i'm like well look at how i am with our dog granted yes it's a dog it's not our child but in many ways she's completely under my care If I don't do X, Y, and Z for my dog, my dog's not going to eat, my dog's not going to drink, she's not going to get her shots. she's not going to get this, she's not going to get that, she's not going to be taken care of, she's not going to feel loved if I don't provide all that for her. So obviously it's very different, but it's very similar in a lot of the ways, and I think she would agree that she sees ways that I'm going to be a dad in the ways that I am with our dog. And that's kind of the love that I think is so important to have. So when we had, we had a dog prior, it was my girlfriend's dog, and he was about 14 years old and he passed away a couple of years ago. It was extremely hard for her because that was her childhood dog. I had been, you know, in the dog's life for a few years and it hurt me to lose the dog. The first few weeks following that were very, very hard, especially for when you're not coming home to that unconditional, happy love of a dog and coming home to an empty apartment. It's tough. It, it sucks in a lot of ways and especially for her for 14 years that dog was hers it was everything and we lasted about a month and we're like we we need another dog we we miss that part of coming home to something that is just so happy and comforting to see you that when we got her it was a different type of love with her but it filled that void of just like emptiness that we felt at home because it was affecting our mental health in a lot of ways where we you don't have that anymore when you're so used to it it's it's so tough to know you're coming home not having that and that was really really hard and she absolutely has exceeded expectations you never feel alone you never feel not loved and that just instant boost of certain when I let her out of her crate and her tail's wagging like crazy and she's just jumping all over me super excited I'm so happy in that moment
1: yeah I think um I'm Unfortunately, approaching that with my dog, we have a family dog that's mm. 13 and she's getting up there, she's a Shih Tzu, and we see the signs and like, it's going to be pretty devastating to mm. to not have her because she's the uh, first person you say hello to, the yes. last person you say goodbye to, mm. like, it's it's a unique experience because it, it definitely, everyone treats their animals as their own, like their, their babies, oh, basically. Yeah. So, to lose that, it's, it is like a trial run for children and I think... If she had any concerns there about you being a dad, I think there's just there's biology behind that as Mm. as men that if the children if the child isn't ours, we don't feel a certain way towards it. Like Mm. it's not like we hate the babies like Yeah, I'm not just like (laughs) a like (laughs) like like we just there's a biological thing there that triggers in our brain that's like it's not our kid, we're just we're not attached to that baby. Like a lot of times and obviously we're being very general, that women are more nurturing. So they're going to feel a certain way towards other babies and mm. be that way. They're more social more social creatures than men too a lot of the times mm. uh, based on a balance of probabilities. But when you do see a baby that is related to you and like there is like a, a weird pull on you oh, and yeah. like that is something I felt this week and it's kind of really made me looking deeper too because I'm definitely pretty self-reflective as a person I like to think and I've already, th- I've already done the process of, like, I'm definitely going to have kids. Like, that's the, mm-hmm. I, something I do want because I'm a big family person. I think family mm-hmm. brings you a lot, and, like, there's a lot of love to be yeah. had there because the love that you have with a legitimate family is different than the love you have with friends. Yes, friends can be family, and there's our unique circumstances, but when it is blood, there is, we can't beat over the fact there is a difference. Like, mm-hmm. there is just – biological things there that trigger the reactions you have with family and I don't know if in society we're just trying to make things normalized and all those things and I'm here for that Mm -hmm. to normalize that feeling of love but I think maybe just me growing up with the two parents and all that stuff Like from my perspective that is something that I do want Mm -hmm. for my kids that I valued as a child growing up having my mom around where she chose to stay home And my dad was the breadwinner. That was everything. I wouldn't be the person who I am if I didn't have my mom there to help me with my homework, to help me with making my lunches, to bring me to my sport games. Too, she used to take me and my friends to the gym so we could work out for football, and would wait for us to take us back home. Mm -hmm. Like that, I wouldn't if I didn't have her doing those things. And say she was working like a nine to five job, Mm -hmm. I would be a totally different person.
0: Oh yeah, my my mom was my number one fan growing up. She still is. All the sporting events all that stuff she was always there she was the one taking me back and forth most of the time so it's uh it's definitely great having that support e- even though you know they weren't together they they both made the best effort that they could and you know she since i was with her more she made that extra effort and it was just amazing to always have her there
1: yeah and it's, it's like an it's an underappreciated role in society which is mm-hmm. unfortunate being a mom being a stay-at-home mom to a lot of the time mm-hmm. is underappreciated that should be one of the most celebrated roles because you are literally creating the next generation of human being. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't get enough appreciation. It's, it's crazy to see nowadays that some stay at home moms get like, like shit on for, for choosing that.
0: For like, like, what do you think they're like being lazy? Is that like the perception? Yeah, you think? The, there's, there's no, a perception out there. It's the crazy. Most, well, hopefully they're doing the most. If if you are given the opportunity where you can be a stay at home mom, I hope you're embracing every part of that because You're never going to get that back. And you can, like you said, you have such a big impact on that kid's life. And and if you even are just trying, you're already doing the best.
1: Yeah, the development ages, like from birth, probably to like, like, let's say six or seven, which is around it. That is such crucial years for development. And the the mother has such a a huge role into that. I tend to think once you get to more adolescence, that's when the father really comes into play Mm -hmm. with being a little bit more discipline oriented, a little bit more hopefully a little bit more masculine in laying down the rules. Cause mm. I definitely feared my dad more than my mom <laughs> growing up. Like, so uh, obviously it, d- it differs per- between every house, but I, Portuguese is just the way it was in my, mm. my household. So uh, I definitely value those relationships. And I, I like the fact that we could have this conversation, especially as two men. Most men don't talk about the idea or the concept of children or having mm-hmm. children in relationship towards children. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to dive into this conversation dude. just cause like, People just really kind of like, especially now, just kind of walk over it. We don't talk about it. it. Just like is what it is, and like, it's kind of goes into hand with the mental health aspect too. Because like, just be honest. There's nothing like seeing a baby that gets me happy. Especially my niece. Like this. <laughs> like you see a baby smile. You can see a baby smile at fucking Walmart, and you're gonna smile. Like, yeah, if you don't, you're adorable. probably if you don't smile, like, <laughs> I, you're a questionable person. I'm not gonna lie. Like
0: it's like walking by a puppy and just being like, no, that thing's not cute. Like, yeah, that's adorable. That's questionable. Yeah.
1: Like it's, it's, it's kind of sus. Yeah. but like. I want to turn the conversation a little bit towards um, your decision to go to college. And then mm-hmm. obviously we talked off air about your reasons for leaving. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk about well, that experience now. Mm-hmm.
0: So I kind of felt pressure that, you know, if you don't go to college, you're not going to be successful. You're not going to be this. You, you basically need that to get a job, to do anything you want to do, blah, blah, blah. And making such a big financial decision. And a long-term decision of, okay, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And it's going to be a huge financial burden at the age of 18, 19. Yeah, that's a great thing to do when you're that young. Before you even really know who you are, you need to decide those two massive things. And you got to pick the right school. And hopefully it doesn't suck. And this, that, and the other thing. And it was really, really hard. I went to community college for a couple of years first because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I figured, okay, at least I can get some base classes out of the way. They'll transfer over. And hopefully I know what I want to do by that point. And it was terrifying. And I knew a lot of people that changed their majors several times and that stressed me out. I'm like, I could not imagine doing that. I can't even figure out one thing I want to do. And now you're, you're jumping all over the place. Like that scares the crap out of me. And, you know, eventually I decided on something and I, I liked it, but I wasn't sure if I loved it, but I was like, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to love it until I get into it. And it's just such a big choice that weighed on me so much. And it made it really, really hard. Cause you feel from society, if you don't do this, you're viewed as a failure right off the bat without giving any years of you know figuring yourself out or if i wanted to you know make my own business or something like that if you don't go to college you're not going to be successful and that's the pressure that i felt since i'm sure that's a lot of my classmates felt too and that's tough that's stressful that is anxiety like in a bubble of figure this out now or your life's gonna suck and that's terrifying i hated that so much and i i don't want to put that pressure on my kid. I want to be like having that experience. I want to put them in a position where they can do what they want because it's what they want to do. Not because it's what they feel like they're forced to do because that's what my experience felt like. And that was not a very positive experience for me and which eventually led to me dropping out. Well, not dropping out, but leaving my, my, my field because it wasn't what I wanted to do anymore.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people now, are afraid of that, like being looked down upon for not Mm -hmm. going to college. And that's, that's really unfortunate that we've instilled this fear into a generation of children to go to, to go to school and to incur a ton of fucking debt Mm -hmm. for, for realistically, I'll just say it for a piece of paper that doesn't hold a fucking whole lot of weight. Mm -hmm. The the piece of paper pretty much gets you into the door of places, which I can acknowledge, but it's kind of unfortunate that that's the standard when, Mm I always say I learned the most from my jobs, not school. Mm -hmm. The only reason I got into this place was because of school, which is fucking stupid. Like, I don't think school should cost that much. I don't think school should be literally tied to you. You shouldn't be making payments for your entire fucking life. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people are just bad money managers. Well, Like that's, that's that's, that's mm -hmm. part of it, but it shouldn't be that damn much. like, Mm -hmm. If you look at other countries, it's like it's way more affordable. A lot of the time it's it's paid for yeah, for, it's for free them. In so other like, countries. it's kind of crazy that it's not taken care of. I want to make sure I get the timing right on my camera. So I'm going to pause, start back on it. Um, it's, it just blows my mind that that is, is the way it is because mm-hmm. I felt that same pressure. And like, I wish I went to community college first because I would have saved a ton of money
0: mm-hmm. and I got
1: the same degree. Yep. And a lot of people feel that way but the stigma was you go to community college that's kind of like mm. yeah
0: i even felt that way just going to community college too I felt yeah the same way
1: it, it, it's sad that it is that way so when you went to school for what you were studying is that what you thought you wanted to do at the time and then while you mm-hmm. were doing it, kind of were just like
0: yeah when that was i i went and i toured and i i saw everything and i was like wow this is really cool like it really piqued my interest and it's, it's what i wanted to do at the time and then A couple years in, I was looking at, you know, where some of my peers were going for work, and uh, I was really looking at all the stuff we were doing, and I was like, yeah, this is cool, but I don't feel the same way that I did, you know, two years ago, and that sucked, and then for, like, a year, I battled, like, okay, I will, I'm I'm too far now, like, what am I going to do, like, I already accrued this debt here, I'm this far in, if I try to switch my major, then I'm a couple years behind, and then, like, my other people that I went to high school with, they're gonna be graduating with their degree and I'm going to be halfway through my degree. And like those thoughts crept in I'm like, oh, I'm going to be behind. And I'm comparing myself to other people. And I was like, hold on, I was like, I need to think about my life because it doesn't matter what the other people are doing. And that was very, very hard to not think like, oh, you know, so-and-so is going to have their, their degree and in their field for a couple of years before I even get my degree. I'm like, well, if I hate what I'm doing and I don't want to do it, does that matter? And it was hard to take that away and think, no, it doesn't, because no matter how much you tell yourself, other people's opinions don't matter. It's hard not to think about them or how they might view you. And eventually, and then the other part was, okay, well, if I don't want to do this, what the hell do I want to do? And oh, I'm figuring this out now when I'm three years into this degree, like, great, this is even worse than a couple of years ago before I made this huge financial decision to figure out now I have this burden on me. Now I'm going to drop that and do something else. That was hard.
1: Yeah, that's a fucking hard ass decision. Cause like, like you mentioned, the fear of realizing like, hey, I just spent like three years doing this essentially, and like, I'm gonna just stop now. Like, that's a hard decision. Most people cannot make that decision. That's terrifying. Some people would rather just go through with it and do something that they don't enjoy, and that's why we have a lot of people doing what they do now because mm-hmm. they didn't have the courage to be like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore, mm-hmm. and it's kudos to you for acknowledging it in the moment to have the kind of the self-awareness to be like, this is not what I want to do anymore because I've been in those, I've been in toxic work environments where like I had to kind of battle my own thoughts and remove myself Mm -hmm. to leave a job, to leave the comfort, to have people tell you, Hey, don't do that to not do that. Like to fear how other people are going to perceive you for leaving. Mm -hmm. Like I left a job in Georgia And that was all what I felt was letting people down, letting my family down, then being disappointed that Mm. I'm leaving this job and I have nothing to look forward to. I don't have a job Mm. to lean back on. And I was kept pushing the the conversation of like, I just don't like it here. I'm not treated good. I don't like the work environments. I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. So why am I staying in a place where I'm not happy doing something I don't want to do?
0: I think the biggest thing is when you can't not only show yourself, but mostly show others. I'm leaving this, but I'm going to this. When you don't have that next thing lined up, you know, especially from like family members, they're like, well, what are you going to do now? Like, What's the next step? And it's like that it's important, obviously, but not as important as getting out of that negative environment because you're just trying to figure out, OK, I don't want to be here anymore. Let me get out of this. But now, OK, where do I go from here? You need time to figure that out. It's not always going to be this instant thing. Oh, well, I found this job here and I'm all good. Don't worry about it it's not always going to be that easy to transition. And that's the biggest scary part is what is next. But part of, you know, I think developing a person is embracing that unknowing and knowing no matter what I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to make it work because I value my mental health more than, you know, just suffering through something because this is what's working now or this is what I've been doing.
1: Yeah. That's fucking, you hit it on the fucking head right there. Like have the courage to be patient. That is like, mm-hmm. A good fucking takeaway from that message and like that is something I've been trying to like really work on myself is how to be patient How does one be patient in a world that is so go go? Oh, go? Yeah, like it's scary to like mm. sit back sometimes and just look at your thoughts Because a lot of us tend to, to lean away from our thoughts to just like be impulsive to do things and just stick with stuff and to critically analyze things and be like because we fear of what's next and especially mm. when we don't know what's next No one wants to do that. No Mm -hmm. one wants to change. Change is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like, but the only way to change is to be uncomfortable and to put yourself in those situations. So you have to do that as a person. Mm -hmm. Like some people might look at coming on a podcast as uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but like once you experience it and you go through it, you could do almost like a variety of different things. And like you're putting yourself out there in a way that you've never done Mm -hmm. It's a new feeling and new experience. And new experiences add to you as a person when you're personal, when you're trying to develop who you are as a person.
0: And I see a lot of that when I have clients come in. Usually they're people that are inexperienced or have never even been in the gym. Sometimes I get people who are, but mostly it's people who are terrified of the gym, who have never been to a gym or are scared to look funny in front of someone else doing something that they haven't done before or just challenging themselves to make that change and be like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to make this change for myself. And it's usually something that they haven't done before. So getting them to experience something that's uncomfortable for them, and I need to make that comfortable for them. And then to talk about, you know, that instant gratification, going to the gym, you can go for, you know, a couple weeks, and you might not see a difference, you might not necessarily even feel a difference at that point. But it works. And trying to convince someone that that is okay, that you will get there, you need to stick to the plan, and it will get you to that point where you want to be is very, very hard. Because, you know, you want that instant gratification i want to go to the gym and i want to feel and look amazing in a week or two and that's just not going to happen so it's very hard for some people to accept that and think you know, i'm not going to get this weight loss in a couple of weeks because it's not this 30 day fix it's not this you know one trick that fix it in a week for you it is more so a lifestyle it's it's healthy habits it's building things that hopefully i can teach you and that you carry long after you ever are done working with me that's my goal if i can create habits for you That you uphold when you're done with me, I'm very, very happy trainer. That's all I want. I want to see my clients be successful. I want to see them challenge themselves. The amount of benefits, especially mentally, that I see, like that is the most rewarding thing to me. When I see them, or they'll send me a text and be like, oh my God, like this fits better, or I'm just feeling stronger. Someone else complimented me today. Or, you know, I, I went out and I felt comfortable. And I'm just like, yes, like that makes me happy. That's the reward for me. That's why I enjoy doing what I do.
1: Yeah, and let's let's dive a little bit deeper into your career currently. So mm-hmm. when you were going to college, you made the decision to leave. Mm-hmm. What made you go to, hey, I want to work in fitness. I want to be a trainer. Mm-hmm. Like what was the 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 push, the decision, the drive?
0: So it was something that I had done for, you know, 10 years at this point for myself and most of the time it was usually with a friend and it became a very positive bonding experience for us and I saw what you know, being healthy did for my physical and my mental health, I saw how it made me feel and the way I felt about myself, and the way it made me challenge myself and show myself, you know, if I stick to this, you know, I get something out of it. I put all of this time and effort in, and I'm getting everything that I want out of it, I didn't get it right away. It took time, it took mistakes, it took failures along the way. But throughout that process, I became a better person. And I thought, you know, if I can do that for other people, if I can, you know, make a living and help people feel the way that I do from this, that's everything that that's all I want. Like that is the ultimate path for me where I know I'm not going to get sick of that because I've been in the gym all the time myself. So now I get to help other people do the same thing and feel mentally better about themselves and physically. That's the most rewarding thing for me. So that was the biggest driving factor of, okay, I love this. Hopefully I can show other people to love this the way that I do. And I'm never gonna get sick of that.
1: Yeah. What was the the process like to become a trainer? Did you have to do any like schooling or classing? Or yeah. Something so about?
0: I went through um, ACE, which is one of the certifications, is like NASM and a couple other ones. And I you know, I studied for a couple months. I, there's like this whole study guide. They have like quizzes online, and you need to learn all about the body, the way it moves, the processes. You know, muscle repair, breakdown, injuries, all those kinds of things, and how to help different forms of clients you know you work with young people old people knee injuries back injuries and you need to understand how to help them and then you also need to understand the mental side you know for them of how to get them to buy in to the process and that was one of the biggest things and so eventually you end up taking a big test and um if you fail you have one more attempt and then you need to like you know take a whole another couple months and then try again and luckily, yeah, you know passing flying colors my first time. And it's something that you re up on every year. You can get extra certifications for like group classes or even being more of like kind of a, a coach and things like that. So that's something I'm looking to uh, invest in the future as well.
1: Yeah. And it's cool to see you for finding something that you really enjoy doing. Like, I Mm -hmm. think that's what the reason I always like getting people like yourself on the podcast is you have found something that lights you up differently. Mm -hmm. Like clearly when you talk about training people and helping people like The way you talk is way more animated it's more it's more interesting and like you could tell like when i talk about podcasting and my podcast podcast in in specific i get super excited about it it's something that i really enjoy doing i'm really passionate about doing is because i get to hear other people be passionate about stuff that they're passionate about and i can't think of too many uh social situations where that's like a legitimate a legitimate thing where Mm -hmm you're getting an opportunity to ask someone about what they do and how they do it and to do it in, um, how do I say this? Like a, a kind of like a little bit, this is somewhat professional. I mean, I guess not really cause I'm swearing a lot, but like being able to ask these questions in a, in a, in a way that's engaging for not only myself, but people who listen and can get something mm-hmm. from it to, for people who on mm-hmm. your side who are interested in your background, to know where you come from, to mm-hmm. how you got to where you are, because, I think a lot of the time, too, on social media, we just see where people are now. We see their best self. And I do that to a certain extent, too, but we don't always see the background. Mm -hmm. So to hear you kind of explain all these different things, for me, I enjoy it because this is our our first real interaction to have a legitimate conversation. And it's always so crazy to me, at least, and I don't know if anyone who listens regularly feels this way, too, is when I do these conversations with someone like yourself, why I, I just, I personally didn't know before mm-hmm. this that the depth of the conversation that we can have. Yep. And I think that is, goes to a credit to you and other guests that I've had to feel comfortable enough to express themselves publicly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fucking awesome. And you guys definitely have to check out his Instagram page and I'll have that all tagged <laughs> in. Cause he's a fantastic trainer. In fact, he's in fantastic shape as well. Um, as you kind of entered into this space, I kind of want to talk a little bit about COVID and how that's impacted. Mm-hmm. So, Talk to me about that and how that's affected your personal business and your relationship with your clients.
0: Yeah, so it was really challenging. So initially, my first training job was at Health Tracks Fitness. I worked at the one in Warwick, and I worked with an older clientele, which was fine. I had some great relationships with people, um, but the issue was having an older demographic. They're, you know, they're more more concerned with the pandemic as they should be because they could be more affected by it. So we saw not only a drop attendance at the gym overall, but a drop in interest in personal training. And me being the newest trainer, it was difficult for me to really get going. I saw a handful of people, and the people that did come in for consultations with me signed up with me. And, you know, it was a really great experience working with them. I learned a lot from uh, my manager there. But ultimately, it was to the point where, so when gyms closed down last December...
1: I believe. Shit, sure, they're closing down again. Yeah. A sad part. So
0: I was the newest trainer there and unfortunately being the newest person, them not being able to return as many clients, I was the one that ended up getting dropped, unfortunately. So I worked there for a few months. I learned a lot. I had great experiences, but it was a struggle to get people in just for a free consultation. And for a big box gym, that's 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 tough because they see a lot of, you know, foot traffic. So to not even get people in to the gym, never mind people in to for a consultation. That's tough. A lot of people, luckily, like the trainers who have been around for a while, they saw that they had their clients that, that stuck with them for a while, you know, stayed with them, which was great. But they even lost some of them saying, Hey, I need to take a step back and stay at home for my health. I'll continue, you know, when things get better. Things arguably aren't always getting better, so some people have seen you know, a lot of drop in clients, unfortunately, and especially for me, being new, trying to build up clientele in this has been very, very difficult. Especially there, where it was an older clients, and then for a few months, I was not able to find you know a gym anywhere because you know, they weren't really hiring trainers because they didn't have the clientele for it. So mm-hmm. it was very, very difficult. I was very, very lucky to find uh LC Lee Jim. Uh, very thankful to Liz Crusoe for the opportunity she has been crushing it for a long time. And I'm blessed to have the opportunity to be with her and the other trainers there. They are just, it's such a positive environment there. And even though it's still tough currently for me to build up clients for whatever reason, whether it's you know financial hardships for people, which was another thing, I had some people come in and say, you know, I love this experience and I wish I could afford it but I can't because it's not the cheapest thing because you know, it, it is a luxury and it's hard for people to, to afford that, whether they're not budgeting appropriately and they're spending a lot of money elsewhere or just because times are tough right now. Like gas is extraordinarily expensive. Other little things are extraordinarily expensive for no reason. So that's another challenge that I've kind of been facing between people not feeling safe enough to go out or even financially stable enough to afford this.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a difficult time right now for the entire fitness industry. And mm-hmm. I've been seeing that too. Gyms closing because they can't get people <coughs> in because they're not yeah. allowed to. So things are very different, difficult for people in that space. And mm-hmm. it, I'm totally empathetic to that. It's, it's crazy to me. And like I told you off that we are preventing people from going to the place that's going to keep them healthiest to protect them most from COVID. Mm-hmm. And if you aren't into fitness, at least – Get into working on your diet, and that's where I want to take the conversation mm-hmm. next because that's something that we've talked about. Yeah. That's something I'm a big proponent of: is that your diet is a huge oh, yeah. aspect of your your fitness and your health. Mm-hmm. So I know you wanted to kind of oh, go yeah. off on this, so go ahead.
0: So a lot of the times when I have clients come in, they ask me you know about the nutrition side. So I'm not a nutritionist, so I would never tell people you need to eat this, 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 and this, and this. That's I'm never something I'm going to do. What I do offer is I offer calculating their macros and stuff like that. But generally. When they come in and they give me their current ideals, because I ask them, you know, what's what's your nutrition like? What's kind of your relationship with food right now? And it's usually either they're not drinking enough water, they're not eating consistently enough, they don't have time to eat throughout the day, so they're not even eating enough to begin with, or, they, you know, they have a couple snacks that they just can't resist, or even sometimes I have people who are like, oh, I did this, this juice cleanse, or, you know, I'm on this 30 day fix, or uh, I'm, I'm doing this, or, or I'm keto or whatever it is now certain diets like if if keto works for you by all means go for it i love carbs too much a lot of people love carbs way too much just can't do that it's hard on your body or they fast if that works for you it works for you if you're doing like a 30-day fix though the problem is it's a 30-day thing if you're not able to sustain that over time then it's not really fixing anything i believe it's causing more of a problem because after that 30 days what did you learn? What are you going to go back to? Probably the way you were before. And then you're just creating a cycle of not actually getting anywhere. Instead, if you take those 30 days and you decide, you know, I'm going to start making better habits. So, okay, how do we do that? Some people can go cold turkey and cut out, you know, no more soda, no more junk food. I'm eating healthy. I'm eating this. I'm eating that. No more of my favorite foods that I know are unhealthy and this and the other thing. You can do that very strong-willed more power to you however that's not very doable for most people i know it wasn't doable for myself so start small if you're drinking like five sodas a day cut it down to four go another week cut it down to three if you're eating fast food four times a week cut it down you know one at a time if you cut that all out your body's natural reaction is going to be this sucks i'm craving this give this to me and it's going to be hard to break that Mm -hmm. if you slowly bring that down over time and start reintroducing other things you're not only going to create a positive relationship with the new things because if you cut out all your favorite things and then you just eat the healthy things, you're going to hate the healthy things, one, because it's not what you normally like and you probably might not like it to begin with. You're going to view it negatively because you're like, oh, I'm doing this instead of the stuff I like. This sucks. And that's not going to be a way where you're going to be able to transition into that over time. If you cut out everything or you go way too hard, your body is not going to like it mentally, you're not going to like it, and you're not going to stick with it. And that is the hardest thing to do. Going to the gym, as far as I'm concerned, is easy. That's the easy part. Fixing your diet and the things you put into your body and just being more conscious of it. You don't necessarily need to track. If you have a specific goal in mind and you want to track for it, awesome. Tracking, depending on the person you are, it can be really good for you. It can be really bad for you. Same thing with if you are you know, on the scale every day. If you're a very results-driven person, that can be good. However, weight loss isn't this consistent thing over time. One week, you might lose five pounds. The next week, you might only lose two. The next week, you might go up a pound. And if people see that, even on a daily basis, that's so negative. Because if you don't consistently see the results you want, you might think, oh, well, it's not working. I put on a pound. What the hell? And then you're like, well, if, if that doesn't matter what I've been doing, why am I continuing to do it? So there's so many things in the way where if you set an expectation and that expectation isn't met, you might be like, well, screw it. I'm not doing it anymore.
1: Yeah. I've, I've even noticed too. I have friends that have eating disorders that I've talked mm-hmm. to and like tracking that stuff is not good for their mental no. health because it's, it literally makes them not eat more. Mm-hmm. So like I've seen that other side of it, what you're talking about. And I've seen on my, my end where I like, Personally, I I've get something, not like, I've been attached to the scale sometimes where mm-hmm. you get addicted to seeing the weight. Yep. Um, I've never been one to just quit because I'm not seeing the results mm-hmm. because I'm in your boat where I'm aware that it's going to fluctuate. Yes. Like, it's not linear. Like there's sometimes like sometimes it's just water weight sometimes mm-hmm. it's when you weigh yourself like so i try to stay consistent and like mm-hmm. weigh myself post-workout in the morning on a monday like so yeah, I if, you, consistent if you baseline. do weigh
0: yourself in the morning before you eat anything yeah because that's when you're the less least amount of extra you know variables are going to be in your body so if you do weigh yourself that's the most ideal time so i'm glad you do that
1: yeah so i try to have a consistent baseline mm. i probably shouldn't i do it after my workout so personally i feel a little bit yeah. better after <laughs> yeah. but like I try to target that. I try to target Monday because on weekends I tend to let myself. I, I give myself mm-hmm. a break. I have been better at not eating junk, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to freak out if I go have Taco Bell. Like yeah. like I'm comfortable with what I'm doing with during the week. Mm-hmm. That if I have a Taco Bell on a Saturday, I'm not going to lose my shit.
0: You can make that. I'm not going to say you're an act. Like I don't have fast food once or twice a week yeah. sometimes because I enjoy it. I love Taco Bell. Or I love McDonald's, and yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll fit that in because you know. Luckily, I do work out you know five times a week. I'm. I burn a lot of calories, not only because I work out a lot, because now I have a lot of muscle. Muscle is harder to hold on to than fat, so your body burns more calories that way. So for myself, I need to eat like 3,000 calories a day. Whereas if you're, especially for girls who are generally smaller, where their intake might be you know, 2,200 or something like that, having a meal for McDonald's could be like 1,000 calories, and that's mm-hmm. half of their intake right there. And that's really hard, especially for someone smaller to manage. But you can make your favorite foods and still work.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's a, a huge aspect of it too and like I use um I think it's my fitness mm-hmm. cuz like it's not the most accurate all the time but it no. gives me it gives me a baseline to yes. estimate off of cuz like I'm not I'm not the type of fitness person that's going to measure my food, weigh my food, do all mm-hmm. that stuff. I just want a ballpark. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the Apple Watch. It's not the most accurate accurate number, but it gives me a number and I can work with that. Cause i could ballpark hey i could probably not i should probably shouldn't eat that and mm-hmm. like i like the my Pal because i can scan everything yep and it has a huge database where i could pick from so it gives me a good idea and it has it has where you could enter your weight so you could track it and like mm-hmm. it's all in one place and it's yep. super user friendly mm-hmm. because it takes my workouts from my apple watch it right plugs right in yep. so i found that for me really works i don't usually do it during the weekend because mm-hmm. i kind of just <laughs> don't really pay attention i'm not cool. i still work out i've been better Lately, of working out five to six times a week, mm. two of the times, so four times will be with weights and cardio, and then two times will just be cardio. Mm. So, I personally like cardio, but I had I kind of fucked up my knee like a couple months ago, so like mm. I've been just starting to like open up the door to running again because so I just personally like running. It's very, yep. uh, it's kind of like a meditation for me. Mm. But love a stationary bike It's something I've always really enjoyed mm. to do. Um, I have like my own little weight setup that you could check out. It's like yeah. bench squat. Got the squat work attached to it, got yep. weights, got everything I need to do what I do. Mm-hmm. And it's been super crucial during this time of like COVID because I've been haven't had to go to a gym. I don't yeah. need the gym membership because I have everything that I need mm-hmm. within my reach. I would wake up and do it.
0: Luckily, we are a small private personal training only gym. So we don't face a lot of the restrictions or possible issues that a big box gym might, whereas other places, you know, they have a much higher capacity and it's not just solo one on one training where, you know, they have a lot of people coming in so they need to require masks, or they might have to shut down due to issues where, you know, we're one-on-one there's maybe at most 10 people in the gym at once. So it's much more personalized and you're not seeing that giant exposure. So we, we have that benefit that we are a smaller gym.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, that's really good. There we go. Just want to make sure we have plenty of video footage for the second for like we're, we're wrapping up, but I think, that's really good that your' your gym's able to kind of avoid a lot of those issues mm. that big big gyms are having and i think i honestly i like from at least from the people that i've talked to i like when the gyms are more smaller it creates a better community where you oh, actually absolutely. can like support each other you can encourage each other you mm. can you can even have like those like uh i don't know if Depends on the type of exercise you're doing, but you could have like the max out days or Mm -hmm. like things like that, like the competitions and that, that builds a sense of community that keeps people engaged and going back.
0: Our main focus is the experience that people have at the gym. We want them to have a positive experience, not only for themselves, but with the people around them. Generally people, they have the same times every week. So not only will they see me every week, they'll see the other trainer every week. They'll see the other client that the trainer has every week and you'll start to see them in your little conversations, little comments here and there, but that builds that sense of community. And from each client that I've had, the one of the first things they tell me is, I love being there. They love the experience, they love the atmosphere, it's very positive energy, they're seeing the same people every week, a couple of people that I train or people that I used to work with and they also used to work together with now, so it was a friendly competition between two of my clients right now and who can deadlift more. Um, but that the environment—we want people to feel comfortable. We want people to feel motivated. We want people to have that positive feeling, so they want to come back and they want to see the others and they want to, you know, see them doing well. And they see, oh, oh she did this—that's awesome. I'm so happy for her. You know, I, I want to keep going too, and I want to be there because that—that's what matters—is their experience with us more than anything.
1: Yeah, and I think that's awesome that that—that's what you guys are looking for out of out of your gym. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's really. Uh, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Applaudable? Mm. probably not the word yeah. I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, no, like, maybe. you know, yeah, yeah, it's it's honorable that you guys do that. And like, mm-hmm. s- some people are shady out here with the way they do business, and it's mm-hmm. crazy. But I want to start wrapping things up because yeah. we're at the end of our podcast pretty much. I do have one more question for yeah. you, which is tied to passions. But is there anything that you specifically want to say, hopefully not tied to passions, because mm-hmm. this is the last question, mm-hmm. that you want to kind of leave people with besides my last question? If, if you don't have anything, that's fine. We'll go into that. Um, what was it? What was the question? I'm sorry. The question is going to, I don't want to say uh-huh. just say it, but it's tied to passion. Yeah. It's like, I'll just say, it, I don't give a fuck. Okay. Point. Sorry, guys. <laughs> the, the last question is going to be, what would your advice be to someone who wants to pursue their passion?
0: I would say invest into it so that way, no matter what, you know, you're going to make it work whatever it is the hardest part is finding what you're passionate about that could take a long time but once you do find it take your time learn become really good at it and find ways that you can you know provide that for others and whatever that passion is and just put everything into it you know find ways to sustain yourself while you're building that up but be so invested that you're gonna make it work no matter what one way or another
1: Garrick love that i really appreciate you coming on this podcast yeah, and, and sharing everything that you've been through in your life and to what you're doing currently i look forward to your future success and doors always open if you ever want to come back on the podcast and yeah we'll check back in here yeah we'll check back in and we'll see that and i will be tagging him and i don't know if you want me to tag your gym as well i could just tag mm. you whatever you're, you're comfortable with but that'll all be tagged um his gym you could check it out on his instagram too if i don't end up tagging it um but again, appreciate you for yep. coming on. To you guys, if you guys like the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, check it out. With your friends, your family, your grandma—you can share it with everybody. I really would appreciate that. You can check it out at the CarolConnection.Simplecast.com. Also available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the major listening platforms. So until next time, guys. Well, messed that one up, guys. So we'll try that again. There we go. Peace, guys.